0: Well, I'm so glad you have joined us this morning and the next four mornings for Advancing Step for Life. We're going to be talking about the obesity epidemic and what the church response is uh, been the last year and will be for the next at least four years while we are here in this role. And um, I think that you will find that this is a huge opportunity for us to engage uh, as a church to really make a difference in our communities. Before we start, I know she already prayed for us, but I would like to pray again before we begin. Shall we bow our heads? Dear Heavenly Father, we are just so grateful, Lord, for uh, the opportunity to be here at the summit. We know that many of the people who came uh, did this in great sacrifice financially and times of time because they are committed and feel called to work uh, spreading this message of health, healing, wholeness, and um, spreading the the gospel, really, which is demonstrated by your life. So at this time, as we come together this morning to share the seminar and learn how we can engage our churches, our schools, hospitals, in the community through this initiative, uh, I pray a special blessing upon each one that's here today. I ask you to bless each one as they continue moving through the week and bring your spirit in a special way so they, he, they can feel committed and uh, called to continue this wonderful area of ministry, which is health ministries for your honor and glory. All the honor and glory is yours. We do this not because of us, but because of you. And so it's in your name that we pray, amen. Amen, amen. very good. Well, first of all, before we get started, I want to have an idea of who you are and let me do this so I can see your faces there, too. Um, and where are you coming from? So, and, and then if you can just tell me if you've heard about Advocacy Step for Life before or if you're learning about it for the first time now. And I'm going to start through the back row here, this gentleman. Can you tell us your name and where you're from and if you've heard about this initiative before?
1: Okay, I'm Javi. You live from France, Guelph. Caribbean.
0: Fabulous, wonderful. Welcome.
1: (laughs) Guadalupe,
0: Guadalupe too. Wonderful. Have you heard about this initiative in the Inter America Division? Probably you did? Okay. Good. Sorry, that's okay. Um, Next, second roll. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I came from Brazil, my name is Marcus, and i heard about this initiative.
0: This initiative. Okay. Uh, Pastor Marcos Bonfim is actually the Health minister's Director at the South American Division. We're so glad he's here with us. Thank you for coming. <laughs> Next. Michael Howell. Michael Howell. Okay. From? Georgia. Georgia. All right, great. Did you hear about this initiative before? Yes. I know Georgia Cumberland Conference has been on this for years. Can we close the doors as you come yes. in? Thank you. The next one?
1: Okay. All right. And i uh, heard the name don't
0: know a lot about it. Okay, great. So we'll learn more this morning? Yes, you.
1: is Daniela from
0: Curaçao. Curaçao? Oh yes, Inter-America. Had heard about the initiative before, or no? Advancing Step for Life? Have you heard about it? You did, okay.
1: My name is Aginal Pannefleck. I also come from Curaçao. was the director of the conference there. Um, I didn't, what I did was when I was appointed, is to just go online, and so I saw it. And we did do something similar in January. Really? in in January.
0: Wonderful, awesome, okay, good.
1: Hi, my name is Luis. I come from Sao Paulo, Brazil, and I've heard about it uh, through the North American Division website.
0: Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Welcome. <laughs> I think I skipped you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I thought it was so small.
0: Okay. Uh, no, I think... I was hoping. <laughs> 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 I'm
1: Ruth Ray Arsenal from St. John, New Brunswick, in Canada. Okay. And I didn't hear about this until I
0: all right, good. Canada. See, we have a wonderful, diverse group here from different countries. Let's start on the back on that side.
1: My name is Vincent Wright from Jamaica.
0: Jamaica, yeah. fabulous. Did you hear about this initiative before? Yes, I heard of it. Okay. Next. I'm Marilyn Simmons from Atlantic Union. Atlantic Union.
1: Yes. I want to make sure I'm in the right class. <laughs> yes, that's
0: right. That's the one. Are you? Do you work for the union or are yeah. you working? Well,
1: Oh, wonderful.
0: Good, awesome. I don't know if, uh, we do have a union a health director, I think, in Atlantic Union. Yeah, he's uh, yeah, so. also that, they wear a lot of hands. Oh, see, so you have to bring to him everything that you learn here, so no, they can He's here, he's here? okay, great. Uh, next. i Okay, wonderful. am from Maine,
1: and I've heard
0: Okay. Curacao as well. All right.
1: Six time.
0: Oh, six times out of the ten, you were here six years in a row. Wonderful to have you back. <laughs> I'm Susana Baromeo, and I'm from Amsterdam, and I'm here at the hall. Okay, in Amsterdam. Wow, fabulous. 10, steps. All right, Keeping, keep going. Wonderful. Very good. On this side.
1: My name is Rico Severina, also from Curacao. Yes. I'm here since 2006.
0: 2006, every year. Thank you for coming back and uh, for being here with the group.
1: I'm Diana Fleming. I'm from the Full Plate Diet. (laughs)
0: Live
1: in Oklahoma. This is actually my first time at
0: Really? In all my life. is Wow. I hope you'll be the first of many more. I hope so <laughs> Thanks for inviting me. Yes. <laughs> we're glad you're here. She, Dr. Diana Fleming will be speaking on the second half of today because as you will see, a big part of this initiative has to do with uh, the right diet. And uh, she will share with us and you will learn for those of you who are not familiar with the full plate diet, you get the training also. See, that we have a lot going on this week as part of this track. So, yes? I'm Laurie Case and I'm from Cape Cod, Massachusetts and believe it or not, I have not heard of it. Okay, have not heard. So, good. That's why you're here and you will learn everything you need to learn about it. Yes. And then? I'm Norma Rivera from El Paso, Texas and this is my first time to hear about it. Okay, good. See, I am thrilled to see a group that's so diverse and that... Uh, despite the fact that maybe some of you have not, you're here. And so I hope and pray that as as you learn more about this whole epidemic and you understand uh, the role that we can play as a church to help uh, reverse this trend, uh, you'll be able to get your church, or if you're working in a school setting, uh, you can get the school involved, and also our hospitals are working uh, with us in this. So uh, let's get started. This initiative started, I think, how many were here Sabbath afternoon? Okay. Some of you. Actually, some were not. All right. So, uh, we briefly talked about how this got started. As you know, the, um, and I'm talking about not only the U.S. This is a worldwide issue, um, it's, it's, uh, the epidemic of obesity. We were invited as a church to be part of the group, faith groups in the White House, to really uh, engage in this national initiative that was launched by the First Lady, Michelle Obama. You know, uh, and you will receive actually uh, a report here in the, during the breakout. I'll, I'll give it to you. Where uh, you'll be able to see what's going on with this epidemic in America, but it's actually reflected in every other country. Canada is the same, Bermuda is the same, uh, around the world, Amsterdam is the same, Brazil is the same. It's all over, all the inter American countries that are represented. This issue with obesity is really a worldwide issue. And so, um, I'm give you the, just a the historical thing in terms of the U.S. So Elder Wilson, which is our president, was invited, among other eight faith groups, to be there and to be part of this coalition. And he shared about what we believe, of course, Adventists are known, uh, by the government uh, in the U.S. and many other countries to lead out in this area of health. And so he just reaffirmed what we believe in, and he said, yes, as a church, we will partner uh, you know, in this effort. We've been doing it already, but we will do it in a more um, intense way. And so I had been called to be in this role as a director in November of 2010 when this happened. And he... Um, been before I got started, I remember this was happening. I was going to start in January, but this was November, and he got, I got the, the commission. This is the one thing you have to do. <laughs> and actually, it was wonderful because I said, this is great. It's our opportunity as a church. So we started planning how we would launch this and get familiar with this initiative. And so in January, uh, you know, when I started, we started connecting people in ministries together. Because the truth is that the uh, epidemic of obesity is not resolved simply by health directors going out there and saying, you know, you need to eat right and exercise. And just, you know, trying to get people to change their behavior. That doesn't happen that way. It's a very complex, as you learn, uh, this issue is very complex and has a lot of reasons why this is happening. And so we need to build a coalition of people. And that's why we reached out to children's ministries, youth ministries, community services, the schools, our school system, and our hospital system, and us, to be able to at least launch this. Oh, really? uh, I will be sharing about that. We started with five, right? Everybody was so excited about it. And I was, to me, it was God's answer to me because it's like, I don't know. You know, I come from a division, I'm from Brazil originally. And I come from a division, of course, Pastor Bonfing is here, where the ministries, you know, work together. And when there is one goal, everybody comes to get on board. Here in the U.S. is a little different, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, people are more independent. People go and do their thing and it's very hard. You don't want to come and impose an initiative for everybody to do because, no, how come you're talking to, no, this is your thing. But, you know, God worked through us and everybody was so welcoming. said, yes, let's do it because, of course, we have new leadership, you know, Aldo Jackson and uh, God is working through all the new leaders that came through. And so they embraced this initiative. So in April, uh, if you open your, pa- your registration packet, you will see this brochure here. Does everybody have that? If you don't, I have some here and I can pass it out, somebody. I may need to have a helper today help me pass things out. So uh, I don't know, maybe you can help on this side. And uh, can I get somebody on this side? All right. And you can get more than one if you wish. So we put this together. I'm sorry? Oh, you didn't present yourselves. Please tell us where you're from. Yes. I'm from French Guiana, wonderful. Good to have you here. Lucy huh. French
1: Union.
0: Wonderful. And an Inter American as well.
1: <laughs>
0: wonderful. You know, we have our faithful Inter American friends that are, are, we are delighted to have you with us. So this, initial, this brochure was launched in April. We send it out to everyone. We developed this toolkit, and I'm gonna pass this out as well. <laughs> I told you we we're gonna have some. Or you can take one and pass it along if could you would you, like. Yes.
1: repeat the, the groups that were um,
0: In there? Well, there were several faith groups. No,
1: floor, itself,
0: oh, yeah, I will show it to you in a minute here, uh, and you see all their logos. Um, and so we launched it in April, but as you know, it's hard to get something out there for to go all the way down to the local church. And we only had a few days, uh, you know, a few months until the, you know, the end of the year. And we were planning, as part of this, um, to really push Let's Move Day, which you'll learn more about. So we started to try to get the word out. Some of you heard, some of you didn't hear. Uh, And now we are assured that this year more people will understand and participate. Now let me go over here and uh, just give you a little bit more information. So Advancing Step for Life, uh, we chose to name as a church this initiative. after our name adventists doing something so we won our church name there and then we got in step for life because it was an initiative that we already had going on over three years before um, where when dr williams was the director and how many churches were doing in step for life any any of you here okay again a lot of churches didn't even know in step for life was going on so we're going to revamp this you know change the names and that's what we did we uh, got the physical activity piece which was in step for life and then we changed this into the goals of the net let's move which is the national initiative and uh and then i will tell you a little bit more about that but we kept in step for life because georgia cumberland particularly it was one conference that we had lots of churches doing step for life already recording their steps their miles and so we wanted to continue but let me paint the picture to you for those of you who were not here sabbath afternoon dr albert reese show to you the epidemic in the US as an example. And this here, are our, our states, the white states are the ones that had no data on obesity. And you know, the definition of obesity uh, is really not a pejorative term. Oh, they are obese, they're big, no. It's a term that was developed uh, based on the disease risk of people. So research has shown that people that have a height and weight calculation that is called the BMI, a body mass index, uh, greater than 30 uh, is, it has the highest risk for heart disease, diabetes, hypertension, you name it, all the chronic diseases. So they did a calculation that the BMI greater than 30 is bad for you, so we needed to reduce the weight to a BMI less than 25. Those are the people that have less risk of heart disease, diabetes, and you know, stroke, and those things. So, when they looked at the states, they said, which are the states that have the percentage of the population within that normal range, 20, you know, 18.9 or uh, from 5 to 25. And how many have it more, more than 25, which is overweight between 25 and 30, it's considered overweight, which your, your risk is increasing um, and so you have to do something about it. And greater than 30 is really the highest risk. Of course, we have even greater than 40, which is morbidly obese. is even worse risk. So anyway, that's what the BMI was. And what they found is most states did not have any information about their population. And some had this light blue here, they were less than 10% of their population was obese. And the darker blue, about 10 to 14% of their population in that state were obese with a BMI, with a high risk, okay? Now, this was in 1985. Five years later, look what happened. All those light, the white states are pretty much gone, they now have data, and then you have the light blue where it's showing, you know, less than 10, but all this blue, look at this, more than half of the states were already 10 to 14%. Five years later, what happens? You don't see any light blue anymore. Everybody's either 10 to 14, and some half of the states are now 15 to 19% of the population being obese. Five years later, we start to see a new color show up. And this is yellow. More than 20% of the population in the states. And now we only have dark blue. None of this here anymore. Five years later, look at what happens. The dark blue are gone. Now we have another color show up. And so we have the 25 to 29% on this light red all these other states are, you know, 15 to 19%, and then we start to see dark red, which is greater than 30% of the population being obese. And now look at this, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009. Suddenly, more than half of the country is now uh, either close to 30 percent or greater than 30 percent of their population being obese. So you can see how this epidemic is just growing and growing. And so we went from 1990s on a blue color. Not that this is political, as uh, one of our guests said this weekend. It's not, you know, red and blue, uh, liberal and, and conservatives, but it's really um, what the picture is. Painted in terms of the epidemic, and so this is true not only with America. This is true with around the world. Now, as I said, the bad thing is not because you know you want to look down on people who are obese. Um, it's interesting as we talk about this. Uh, we have a website, uh, and then we have a Facebook and Twitter uh, for our our uh, new health ministries. And there was one person that came to the Facebook, and the, she, you know, how people go and make their comments. She was so upset. Why are you talking about obese? what's the problem you know uh, if I want to eat I'll eat and she she had an issue with us talking about obesity she's feeling put down and it's not about that it's not about all people need to be thin and it's about disease risk trying to lower your risk for disease and so why because people who have a BMI greater than 30 they have three times as much heart disease than people that have normal BMIs they have three times as much risk uh, relative risk of high blood pressure. They have three times as much risk for gallbladder disease. And look at this, diabetes, 10 times as much risk for diabetes. And so it's really a disease problem. Now, the issue of this epidemic is not so much the risk for adults, because that's when you think of being, you know, having a chronic disease, you think, okay, an adult, uh, somebody that's in their 40s, 50s, they're seeing young kids six to 11 years old with this issue. Look at this, 18% of the population in this six to 11 years old, they're obese. 12 to 19 years old, 17% of them. And then 20 to 39, which is where we were looking at the chart, is 30%. And what happens? If kids are obese, they're gonna become obese adults. So the research has shown that 35% of the five-year-olds, talk about a little kid being obese, they're gonna be obese adults. 75% of an 11-year-old will be an obese adult and 90% of uh, people that are under 17, like they're adolescents, they're going to be obese adults. 90% of adolescents who are obese will be obese adults. So it's an issue that we need to really start early, not just talk to them once they're uh, older. By the way, I am going to give you all this, this uh, presentation. So you can make notes uh, you, as you wish, but uh, you, this is on our website. You can actually download this from our website. So the picture in the, in the US and why the first lady took this is that 300,000 deaths are attributed to obesity. 33% now of the population is obese. And we are beginning with seeing people, as I said, kids, six uh, years old, one in three of the kids in that range are either overweight or obese. And the research shows that they're gonna be obese adults. And a child, again, this is a general statistics combining all age groups, if they're 10 to 13 years of age and they are obese, they have an 80% chance to be obese as an adult. Now, why this is so important? You remember in the 70s, here in the U.S., and I think around the world even more, one in three people smoked. It was a huge, rampant issue. And you remember, uh, our church took a stand, and did the five-day stop smoking program and started to really be known as leading. To this day, the Public Health Service here recognizes, the Surgeon General recognized that the, the Adventists let out in the fight against obesity. And of course, many other people came on board. It was a community effort. And now, can you guess how many people smoke in the country? It was one in three now is one in five. That's pretty good, huh? If you think about it, a lot of hospitals are smoke-free now, a lot of restaurants are smoke-free, you know, and uh, there has been a huge effort. Of course, we were one of the pioneers on that and are known for that. Well, now we have the same picture with obesity. One in three people are obese and it's just going to get worse. So as a church, and I, I, I know we have to continue to working with smoking because it's still a problem. And uh, But instead of just doing our health programs on smoking, which is what we did many years, we need to turn to these other health issues. And obesity now is the talk of the nation, is the pressing issue. Uh, you know. The American Heart Association says that childhood obesity is the mo- one of the most pressing health threats in the United States. It's not, you know, any of these other habits is that. Now, look at this, and this worries me. There has been some research, as you know, that says that people who are religious live longer part of us, uh, Adventists, we have a role in that research because as you know, and you've heard Sabbath, Adventists who follow the principles that we've learned, how many years do they live on average more than others? 10
1: 11.
0: 11, 10 to 13 depending, 10 to 11, that's the average. Now, there has been some recent research though that has shown that youth that are in part of religious groups they actually are 50% more likely to become obese by the age 50 when they're compared to people that don't go to church. So why do you think that is? Exactly. That's part of the problem. Of course, they didn't look at the Adventists church per se uh, I think they had several groups and Southern Baptist as you know they have a very heavy culture and the foods and so there's always food and and you here um, actually I should probably already pass this to you this reports um, that are that we're gonna go over uh, this later on in a, another few days from now thank you this reports um here you go. They. We'll, we'll go over that <clears throat> later on. Oh, yeah, that's it. No, he has uh, the I'll others here. Okay. We had about how many more? If you are with a couple, you know, of people, make sure to give that out uh, to someone else if you are, because we only had the ones that were, if, oh, by the way, this is for <clears throat> the United States. So I'll give preference for those who are in the United States since this is a report for the U.S. And so if you, anybody from the U.S. that did not get one? One person. So can I have one of you, our friends from Inter-America, to uh, give this lady one report? Because since she's here, this is a report on the U.S. Any of you from Inter-America that had it, do you mind uh, just sharing? Or one of you, okay, she has, since she's French, this is in English. Uh, let me give this to, to no, her. Translate translate. Okay, that's fine, but can I have one? And then we'll, we'll find you another one later, okay? Since it's uh, the U.S. I want to make sure that the U.S. people have it, because this is information for the United States. So, uh, okay. Oh, yes
1: state in out. Oh, so you do
0: need that. So I'm, I'm from Mississippi. uh uh-huh, that's the worst state, yes. Worst state. So I'm gonna ask also again for our friends from the Inter-America, if you can kindly uh, get, give one of the, the reports for our friend, because we only had uh, the number of people who registered previously, and so we had one report for each. So who is from Curaçao here again? Can you raise your, your hand? I know we had a few of you. Okay, I will get you one later on, okay? Um, this is for just a summary of, and I don't know, Diana, you got one during the advisory, uh, of all the issues, the latest report on the U.S. in terms of obesity and you will want to hear that. I'll, I would like for you to go over it because, and read it. We're gonna discuss this on Wednesday, and I wanted you to go over it, you know, really get familiar with what's in here, because we're gonna be discussing a lot, going through this on Wednesday, for those of you particularly who are from uh, the United States. And so <clears throat> part of what they say there in terms of this research, they say that the reason is the foods that are served in the church activities for the young people Those foods, of course, are not the healthiest foods. Lots of fried food, lots of sweets and desserts, and that's part of the problem. Every meeting, there's something to eat, and it's not healthy. Diana? Yeah,
1: and the other thing is, a lot of um, faith groups don't see a connection between taking care of their body and their spiritual. That's right. Whereas uh, we... You know, we really that what you do to the body affects the mind, and the mind is where God speaks to you. Yes. And they're starting to wake up to this. Oh, day. yes. do you know what happened to Rick Warren.
0: Yes, yes. And So that's what I was going to say. Now, because of this research and many other, because of this epidemic, churches are now waking up. Many churches are now, from other faiths, are having health ministries, and they are actually teaching a lot of the principles that we knew from back a 100 years ago, and they are waking up to this. And this church that Dr. Fleming is mentioning, some of you do, you, do you know who Rick Warren is? Okay, if you don't, he is a pastor of a mega church, thousands of people. And he now has, and God is working, again, through his you know, agencies, if we don't do our work, he, will, he uses the Holy Spirit, Amen. and this guy found out in Daniel. Oh, this is important, so he's now yes. You wanna? You know, I want.
1: I, I just read a clip from CNN on this. You know what woke him up? Uh huh. He was. He had 538 baptisms one day, wow. which took him like four <laughs> or five hours. And when he finished, he said we are fat you know, he, both,
0: he was getting the people weight you know, yeah put them down
1: and lift him up and then he looked at himself he said
0: I am you know, fat said, I
1: gained 60 pounds in the last you know or 90 pounds or something that was the wake-up call what isn't that know, amazing dunk all
0: do the baptisms of everybody isn't that the truth and then he started studying and then he found the Daniel diet you know uh, and that just isn't that amazing and so now he's teaching he's getting his whole mega church people to you know wake up to this and it's this movement now nothing new for us however uh, we have the stones speaking out and of course we go even beyond they're looking and reconnecting with this truth of you know worshiping God in our bodies and um, and you know we are if we don't if we don't do our part, God will use others uh, in that. Of course, we also have a special message that goes along with this health message, which perhaps they don't have, but we need to be able to really take hold of our message and, and use it in the right way.
1: Another point I want to make about Rick Warren. Yeah. His wife got cancer. Oh. She wrote a book. Huh. I think
0: that will come up just as much as the family. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Because when he hits the family and when he hits home, uh, this is one of the things that I found with our pastors. Uh, as you know, those of you who work with pastors in churches, not every pastor is very receptive to use the health message or to incorporate it in their church. And many times it's because they themselves have not, you know, somehow been waken up to the importance of this. And so... Um, If they experience it in their life or somebody in their home, it's amazing what God can do. They can really learn and and they're awakened and then they suddenly are passionate about it. But anyway, so we have work to do even in our our faith, but especially faith communities have work to do. So diabetes, hypertension, kidney disease uh, and heart disease is striking kids as young as six. This may be the first generation that is going to die before their parents. Their parents are going to live longer than the kids if this keeps on going. They're less healthy, and as I said, 17 million, or about 14.6 percent of the children, it's not just about you know the choices. it's about they don't get enough to eat, you know. And we're going to talk about are you eating enough to be healthy, and you know. And just in a minute, we'll hear more about that. The thing is that the less expensive and processed foods, and you see that in the report here in the U.S. They are high in calories and low in nutritional value. They're often the only thing that these kids can afford, these poor families can't afford. Poverty is a huge issue. And many times they simply don't have access. Some of you that live in some of the middle countries, uh, middle states, or some desert areas, where sometimes you have to walk miles to find a store that has fresh fruits and vegetables. I know that doesn't happen necessarily in some of our other countries, but that's true here in the US you know, people uh, cannot necessarily find uh, the fresh fruits and vegetables available. We take them for granted, those of us who have a grocery store, have a farmer's market, you know, in countries like Brazil and some of the inter-American countries where it grows everywhere and it's less expensive. Not so here in this country. And in Canada, I think because of the weather, you know, sometimes I'm not not sure how accessible the fresh fruits and vegetables are throughout the country.
1: What do we teach is using
0: in the oh there you go, so in the winter sprouts is what can really give lots you of lots of sprouts but not a variety that you think some of our tropical countries have that beauty oh any fruit any vegetable that doesn't happen necessarily so there's a lot that needs to be done in terms of bringing access to those areas as well so here if you look from a life course perspective it's amazing this has all been documented by research all these points here show that these are factors in obesity so it starts from preconception. Before the baby's even, you know, the little uh, zygote or whatever, you, you know, the, the, the fertilization of that, that, that one that will be a person one day starts, mom's education is related to whether or not the kids that she will have will be obese or not. The weight of the mom is related to whether or not the child will be obese or not. The economic status, if the poverty level, she comes from a poor family, it will be related to whether or not her kids will be obese. Now, once she's pregnant, and she's carrying uh, that little um, baby in her womb, if she has gestational diabetes, likely she has higher chances to have an obese child. If she smokes, she has a higher chance of having an obese child. If she has poor nutrition during her pregnancy, it's another factor. Now, when the baby is born and it's a little infant, these are the factors. Moms that breastfeed the babies are helping increase the chances the babies will have a better weight. The moms that don't breastfeed, the chances are that that child have higher risk for being obese. The ones that give formula and food supplementation along with the breastfeeding after the six months of age also has uh, an issue and, and helps uh, in terms of reducing the risk. If mom has uh, maternal depression and caretaking, uh, she has problems taking care of that child and he has she has depression, likely increases the risk of that child being obese. Now, once the child is now a five-year-old, a toddler, these are the things that can actually influence whether or not they will be an obese adult. Chronic diseases, uh, food preferences and eating patterns of that family environment, and then insecurity, as we just said about finances that sometimes they don't know how, where the food's gonna come from, uh, that can also influence. In terms of adolescence, it's in so interesting. Puberty, uh, early puberty has been shown to be linked to obesity and vice versa. So kids and adolescents who are obese, now they're having, and we'll talk about this later on when we go through this report, uh, we are having a much higher rate of obese child that are having early puberty now than years ago. That's happening with boys and girls, particularly girls, but uh, boys as well. Sleep patterns, kids that stay up all night, you know, on Twitter, on TV, uh, has been shown that the sleep pattern of a child, of an adolescent, is linked to obesity medications they take, and then finally as an adult, the activity level, the consumption of uh, the calories that they eat, employment, actually they look at types of employment and uh, whether or not they have a job or not is linked to uh, whether they're obese. Who they choose as their husbands or wives, of course, also makes a difference. So social networks that they live in culturally as well as you know, uh, the environment they live, such as you know faith community with certain habits, and then menopause. Uh, the hormones also bring are, are a factor related to the weight. So those are all documented by research. Now just to lighten up a little bit our load here, here's a little child with a grandma, grandpa. And he said, Grandpa, you used to be Skinner, didn't you? He said, oh yes, I was. What happens is is that we accumulate knowledge and also wisdom over the years, and it spills out from our brains to the rest of our bodies. And he thinks the little one. So he says, I'm really not, you know, overweight. I am just very well educated. Then the child goes and says, huh, you know, I saw some people at Walmart who must be super smart. Uh (laughs) This here is painting the picture of What? of the fact that, as you know, those of you who are not from the US, you might know Walmart, is a very inexpensive store, a lot of the things they sell you know, are for the lower, you know, the people that can, of course many of us go there because we want to save, don't want to spend too much, but the fact is that a great uh, number of the population that have low levels of income, that's where they shop. And so uh, they're shopping for the less expensive foods, prepackaged, ready to go. And you know, so that's where they see the what? Overweight people at Walmart. Now, what is Harvard and the, and the big institutions and the researchers telling us about this? In a, this is in the US, but again, it's reflected around the world. 80% of Americans don't eat enough fruit. 80%. How many fruits are the recommended? Do you all know? Fruits in the U.S. are five, five fruits a day, right? How many vegetables? Five. So all together, fruits and vegetables, you know, 10. 90% of people in the U.S. don't eat enough vegetables. And 99% fall short on whole grains. Now, this is documented in the Journal of Nutrition in 2010. 99%, that means only 1% of the population eats whole foods like brown rice and you know whole grain bread and all that. So what Harvard is recommending is that we need to cut back or eliminate, now this is not the Adventist saying, this is now Harvard School of Public Health saying, we need to cut back or eliminate the major staples of the current US diet. What are they? Refined grains, so all the white, flowers, breads, rice, all the refined grains that don't have the whole uh, wholesome um, uh, fiber in them. sugar snacks, of course, the pops, the, the sodas, sodas, potatoes, why is potatoes in the list, you think? French fries, potato people, chips. potato chips, they eat potato in the morning sometimes, at lunch, and in the evening. Many of the states, this is happening. That's the less expensive food. And so there's not a balance of other um, variety of, um, of vegetables. So they eat potatoes, but sometimes fried and not in the right place. What else? Cheese. Cheese. Cheese, high in fat, high in cholesterol. Harvey's saying we need to eliminate or cut back on cheese. Butter. And what else? Red, red meat. At least they're starting with the red meat. We do know that other meats also have high cholesterol and fat. But this is what's been recommended uh, by Harvard in terms of that. Yes? And you know there's
1: hardly any fiber in that.
0: Whole- exactly. There is no fiber. Uh, I mean, maybe the potatoes if it's with the skin. Uh, and you know, so very little. And we will hear more about why the full plate diet will play a role here. Now you saw, how many saw the Surgeon General this weekend? You did, most of you. She talked about the national prevention status, uh, uh, I mean, national prevention um, strategies that were put together by the National Prevention Council. They put together the same group that created this report I passed out, help to create this report on the strategies of the country. This is the U.S. again, but remember, it represents all the other countries. So they want to first make sure that Americans will be healthier at every stage. Remember, we we talked about preconception all the way to the end of life. So their goal is to increase the number of Americans who are healthy at every stage. Engage the community environments is not just about telling people what to do is really changing the environment making it possible for people to go out and exercise because there's parks to do that buy fresh fruits and vegetables so there are stores and farmers markets secondly get preventive services available for people thirdly empower people that's when the teaching comes and then eliminate the disparities that happen between the rich, the poor, the black, the white, the Hispanics, and I'm talking about the diverse population in the U.S. Now, what are the areas that need to be looked at? And look at this, as an Adventist, you're going to recognize this quite a bit. Tobacco-free living is number one. Again, talking about tobacco, quit smoking. That is one of the strategies, prevention strategies. Preventing drug abuse and excessive alcohol use. Second, have you been doing this, talking about tobacco, talking about alcohol, talking about drugs? We do, right? This is where we started as uh, Seven Minutes, talking about temperance. Healthy eating, the the recommended diet we just heard now from uh, Harvard, but fruits, vegetables, whole grains. Active living, exercise, right? That's what we're talking about. Mental and emotional well-being. This is one thing that we've neglected for years in our church. We have neglected a lot. We've been focusing a lot on this area for many years. That has been the core message of the Seventh day Adventist Church for many years tobacco free, no drugs, no alcohol, eating healthy, active living outside in the sunlight and all but we have neglected emotional and mental well-being and we are now seeing a rise of that we're seeing uh, a lot of people as some of you know Dr. Natalie has been speaking a lot about it many others are talking about it and we made sure and during the summit to have one track on mental health in every uh, one workshop in every track. Reproductive and sexual health another thing we haven't talked much about very important you know and um, we have here a pot of cultures around the world that come from their countries. Lots of African countries that come in. Lots of you know immigrants from South America, from around the world, and many times you know they bring their customs and their culture with them, uh, and even the local uh, people here. Uh, so the issues, things like you know the spread of HIV/AIDS, uh, uh, you know uh, the whole. Uh, area of reproductive and sexual health and the teachings that are happening with media in terms of what's right or what's not. Um, It's something that we really need to focus on. And then we have another one here that we as a church started to catch up, but we have much more to do. Injury and violence-free living. This is talking about domestic violence. It's talking about gun violence in the youth. It's talking about any kind of violence in the family environment particularly. How many of you have heard about ending now? Isn't that amazing? I always ask this question, there's like two or three people that raise their hands. It was three or four years ago that ADRA and Women's Ministry in our church launched this initiative called End It Now. It's an initiative that had to do with what? Reversing the trend of violence, domestic violence, particularly among women and girls because they are the ones that have twice as much uh, risk and and prevalence of being violated physically, mentally, and many other ways. So the church took a stand. This is a huge public health problem. And uh, that's something that the church is starting to do. But again, many of you haven't heard about it. And that's something that we don't think health ministries, domestic violence, are they related? Yes, they are. They are, so uh, this is actually the goals that the Surgeon General has been working towards. Those are the areas they are trying to work. Uh, These are the preventive uh, strategies that the National uh, Council uh, devoted to do in the U.S. But if you really look at it, it's around the world.
1: Did did she say something about changing the menus in the public Oh
0: yes, and we'll talk about that. This report, You'll see what is happening. Yeah, you'll see, it's exciting. When we talk about the schools, we'll talk about schools on Wednesday and Thursday, we'll have a group come in and you're gonna see. Yes, it's the environment. It's like here, health safe community environments. That's hospitals, that's schools, that's everybody, you know, um, and it's a huge policy that needs to come in place and reverse what's being done. And that's why sometimes we say, oh no, why are we dealing with the government? That's politics, you know, we shouldn't be dealing with them actually the the policies that are in place we have a voice to 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 be heard and you saw we're trying to partner with these people that are trying to change not because we want to support a religious party or no it's about being healthy and unless we engage with these communities we won't be able to make change in our community so yes the, the, the what are they serving in my local school you need to say something about that. You need to engage with the people that are making choices so that, you know, they, they know you feel like many others that they shouldn't serve the junk there. They should reverse this whole money-making, you know, machinery that's behind trying to get our kids young. Yes. Yeah, and, you know,
1: when we partner, we add a faith element because Heidi... who is Exactly. She said the booklet that we came up with, kind of based on the, what the government, yes. said she likes it better because we've added a elements and a faith element that the government exactly put in there. Exactly. So we can have a positive influence over and above just the physical.
0: That's right. So uh, those of you who saw, this is what we did. We created this toolkit from the national one they had. We made it our own with our message. She takes this all over the country and shows this to other faith communities. And she says, this is what the Adventists did. It's wonderful, you need to look at it. So she, she sends them to our website and they go and, and you know, because this brings the message of not only the physical but the mental, social and spiritual in it and the resources that we have here. So God is able to use us in many ways. Now the USDA came out with the new recommendations, right? Of the diet and it's called My Plate. Those of you who are from here, remember there was a pyramid, people will go up the steps, you know? Well, I think this is simpler. It helps people see what half of their plate has to be fruits and vegetables. The other quarter, more than a quarter, should be grains, whole grains, right? We just heard. And then they have protein, which doesn't have to be meat. It could be, again, vegetable-based or plant-based protein. We have tons of beans and uh, many other soy products, not necessarily the the prepackaged ones. Because, as you know, they're not the best for you. every once in a while, I guess you can have them, but you know, you want to really be careful. And they have dairy here because you know there are many people who need dairy sometimes uh, because they don't have access. and it, I don't know in the US we do. Uh, so the best choice, as we know, is to go if we can, eliminate all the cholesterol in your diet, you would eliminate the dairy, and just go you know with the vitamin D in the sun and the other vitamins in the plant foods, if you can. So we recommend that as a church because we saw that in terms of the Adventist Health Study, the benefit of eliminating the dairy. But some people choose to eat dairy and that's their choice. And we have to respect that. So the government is putting that out because many people, and I'm a nurse practitioner by background, Some of you, I don't know if you know what that is uh, from other countries, but this is a nurse that works in a a clinic, just like a doctor, and I see patients, I diagnose them, I treat them just like a doctor does. And when I screen my patients for vitamin D, guess what? The great majority are deficient. So, and that's partly because they're not in the sun, so they do, if they eat dairy, uh, it's added, vitamin D is added, many other foods are added. Uh, of course, we tell them to go out in the sun, but sometimes there are um, some needs that people have, and so the government put it out there, especially as a vitamin D source for people. That's the MyPlate. This past week, Michelle Obama was here in Tampa, and uh, she's, they were launching the MyPlate in Spanish, Mi Plato, uh, right here, not far from us. And uh, we were contacted by the Michelle Obama administration to be partners with them on this because they know we're partnering with the obesity epidemic. So I got this call and I said, sure, I mean, we, we, we want to partner. Well, it turns out in her speech, she talked about us. And I got a call. I was in the advisory. So like, oh, Michelle Obama just talked about you guys. What are you about? So here's the TV calling and the the, the journal calling. So what are you doing? You're partnering with this. And I was able to tell, okay, we simply are doing this, this, this. This is what we believe. Because, again, we need to be able to have a, a voice. And God is giving us opportunities to do so. So the diet is very important. we are going to be discussing now in the second half uh, what will be the best diet for us to do. And um, I think that we know as a church, we have the message on that. And uh, uh, we just need to be able to bring this message in a way that people that never heard about it feel comfortable and are able to embrace it without being judged, without being being, uh, told what to do, oh, this is terrible, you're eating this pork? oh, you're gonna, it's, it's horrible. You know, the Bible says this and this, and this is somebody out there who never heard about it. How are they gonna op- be open to listen to us if we don't have the right approach? So um, I'm, I'm going to just tell you first about the diet piece because this morning uh, I would like for us to learn a better way to discuss this issue. There are four goals of this initiative. Two have to do with access to the right foods, but just access, that's an important thing, and uh, we, we are, I'll share later with you about that, uh, on the goals of that, but how we teach them uh, to incorporate it is very important. So we have asked Dr. Diana Fleming, who is with the Full play Diet. For those of you who haven't heard what that is, you will learn uh, today to come and really teach us a model that, as far as I'm concerned, is the best model we have to engage people who are not of our faiths. I'm not talking about Adventists necessarily, even though they will appreciate this method. Because many of our people in our church shy away from the health message because the way it has been taught in the past. It has been taught in a way of judgment, in a way of you're not being saved because you're not living by the spirit of prophecy. You have to be a vegan or else you're you're not. God is not gonna take you to heaven. and This is not about that. People are in a journey and we need to be able to walk beside people in a journey. So that is true with our church members, but particularly true with those who are outside of our faith who never heard about, you know, vegetarianism or or the message uh, that we have. So, um, Dr. Fleming will explain to you how they came about uh, with this program, the full plate diet. And I believe that as a a church, along, you know, part of this large Adventist in Step for Life initiative, we can have several different health programs that can come under. But this one in particular, I think will be one of the most helpful ones. And you will see why. I've um, came across uh, the full plate diet program in the beginning of last year when I was just started this job in Northern California, Dr. God, Gordon Body, um, who is, um who is the uh, health director in Northern California, invited them to do a massive training with all their conference, all their churches. And we went for three days going church to church. We trained over a hundred people on this, I think it was more than that. And uh, I, for the first time I was exposed to this principle and I was like, yes. We need to do this. That's gonna be one of our main ways of teaching uh, about a right diet uh, alongside this initiative. So my prayer is that at this time, we're gonna have just a few minutes break, like five minutes, uh, and then we're gonna transition to learn about this way to teach about the best diet to our communities. And uh, and then later through the week, I wanna pass out another sheet here so we know what's gonna be happening during the week. You can take one and pass the others. Uh, so that you uh, see, we're going to tomorrow be focusing, today we're focusing on the diet piece. Tomorrow uh, we're gonna be focusing on the gardening piece and the the bringing access as well as, let me get one. (laughs) It's just one for me because let me read it here. Uh, Tomorrow we're focusing on that as well as some of the other causes and reasons of, of the obesity effects and strategies, Dr. Ildemar dos Santos from Loma Linda will share some other uh, good strategies in terms of that and then on Wednesday we're gonna go through this report again and those of you who are from America I want to make sure that you have this because you need to be able to use this in your local community and cite this. For those of you who are from Inter-America or South America you want to find out the data from your countries, right? This here is from the US, so you, might, you could quote it, but it won't be as meaningful as if you knew the information from your state or your country. So if you go online to your health department, you can Google that information, if you're from Curaçao or from whatever, and look for obesity, facts, and you get the facts in your region. So that when you teach this, you can quote the facts in your area. And so we'll go through that report, there's a lot for us to learn there. And then we're gonna talk about what the goals of the initiative are and uh, what we are doing as a church. And then we're gonna talk about the awards, how to really run this initiative in your local church. Then on Thursday, we're gonna talk about schools. And what we are doing with our local Adventist schools across the division—I have so much good stuff to share uh, with you then. And uh, we have Dr. Falls from Florida Hospital, who's developed a, wonder program for schools, a wonderful program for schools—a wonderful program for schools—and she's coming with her team to teach us how to use that, and so you can engage with the schools in your region as well. And then uh, Friday, we're going to uh, learn more about uh, other ways to reach the kids, through ch- uh, expos, through, um, if we can, we're gonna do a tour at, at a local school here who is incorporating uh, the, all the, uh, the initiatives of uh, gardening and diet, teaching kids uh, how to cook and uh, wonderful things. And then we're gonna look at the details. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.